This podcast was created by the Arts and Junior Cycle team in collaboration with the JCT English team for the Junior Cycle Talks channel. Hello and welcome to this podcast. My name is Owen Swain and I'm an English advisor with Junior Cycle for Teachers. In this episode, we have a wide-ranging discussion with Irish comic book artist Will Sliney, who is known as the co-creator of the Star Wars character Ren, and for his work on comic books such as the Marvel Fearless Defender series, the graphic novel Celtic Warrior, The Legend of Coo Cullen, and the monthly series Spider-Man 2099. In this podcast, Will talks to me about his creative process and his work as a comic book artist artist. He also discusses the animated film Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which has recently been added to the new prescribed text list. So listen, Will, thank you so much uh, for joining us this morning. No problem. Happy to be here. Yeah, great to see you. We'll get cracking. I'd start with your work as a writer and a graphic artist. Could you give me, if you don't mind, a brief overview of maybe how you started in this field and uh, what your work involves? Sure. It's, it's something I didn't know you could have as a job uh, when I was in secondary school, unfortunately. I've only started to figure that out as I got older. So I, it was never kind of on the, the hopes and dreams of a career, even though I, I love doing all this kind of stuff. But when I did start to find out about it, like I knew it, it was something that I had to go after. And essentially, one of the handy things for the visual side of things, for the art side of comics, it's quite easy to be able to show and to prove your work because you just need to show a few pages and they can see your ability. It's a little bit harder as a writer because someone has to, has to sit down and to read your work. So I just went to every convention that I could. I When I finished college, I would took out loans and flew to San Diego. I'd fly to New York. I'd go to every convention where the big companies would be. I'd be showing my work around and to get the job in comics then I was getting lots of advice at these different shows and I started getting published at small companies and slowly got on that ladder of my work getting better my work getting seen by more companies getting hired by bigger companies until I worked my way up to Marvel and I've been there ever since for 10 years fantastic thanks very much well it's a great story actually getting the loan out and going over to san diego comic-con i mean have you ever thought about writing that story down in a short story i've told it many times like i i I, because i had no frame of reference i was like oh geez i'm just going to fly over to san diego to get my job drawing spider-man i'm ready because my mom likes my drawings and they're definitely good if she says they're good that kind of way and I'll never forget the size and the scale of the convention. There is like, there's 180,000 people go to this show. Like the convention hall is practically a kilometer long. Like it's just this ginormous beast. And I went into the DC Comics talent search where you could hand up your pages to hopefully get hired to work on Batman or Superman or whoever it was at DC. And I'll never forget being inside in this room with thousands of people with their portfolios and looking to my right hand side, seeing the pages of the artists beside me and realizing oh, that person's better than me. Maybe I'm the second best person in the room. And then I look to my left and like, oh no, they're better than me too. And very quickly, I realized I had a lot to learn. I had a lot of work to do to get up to that level. But one of the best things about the comic book industry for me was that like I quickly switched around to thinking, okay, I need to get advice on how to improve. And at comic conventions, you get to meet all of the artists and all of the writers. And instead of going to to companies looking for jobs, I would go up to artists and writers and they would all give me incredible advice on my portfolio, how to improve my storytelling, which is absolutely the biggest key to working in comics and how to practice and all of these things. And that's what I was doing, just getting work done, showing it, trying to get work, but also trying to get advice and continually hoping to improve my work to get better and better, which I guess has led me to where I am now. 
fantastic story to be fair and stories are, are, are your bread and butter and they're told in many different ways and, and your work speaks primarily to visual storytelling but when you were younger what did you read or what did you enjoy reading I guess it would have been the same as everyone obviously comics would have been thrown in the mix there and I've always tried to get a hold of them whether when it was younger let's say the Beano and the Dandy and the, the annuals that we would get would have been my way to, to get a hold of that kind of storytelling and on not being able to there wouldn't have been as many comic book shops back then as there is now uh, in Ireland. So like I, I used to actually try to subscribe to the from Marvel directly and the stuff would kind of get sent over late. So bits and pieces, I would start to get that stuff. But even in terms of books, it just would have been the same as everyone with definitely with the kind of anything that had a kind of a cartoon or superhero slant to it was the stuff that I was into. So obviously the books that I remember when I'm younger would have been the things like Roald Dahl and all that kind of stuff. As I got older then, because I had such an interest in the characters that came from the superhero world, I would read books about X-Men or books about Spider-Man and that kind of stuff. I just started to really live in that world. And then pretty much for the last 20 years, everything I read is a comic. I have a, I have a, a pile of shame of books that I still need to get through here. There's so many of them now, which is great, but there's so many reasons for me to read them. Like as much as I love the writing and the storytelling and everything as well, I can learn so much by just staring at the art for hours and hours as well. But there are some brilliant stories and comics out there. So yeah, there's just endless amount of them for me. That's fantastic. I can certainly empathize with your to-be-read pile there. I have a pretty impressive <laughs> one myself. So could you talk to me uh, for a moment about your process? Do you work from a brief? Do you create your own ideas? Maybe give us a little walkthrough about how your creative process works. Yeah, so it, it, it varies from project to project, whether I'm writing it or whether I'm drawing it just with, with another writer. And so right now I'm involved in a couple of projects. And so like a, a lot of my comics work, I work with, I've worked with different writers over my career, but the one that I'm working a lot with right now is Charles Soule. And he's an incredible writer. He's a New York uh, Times number one uh, bestseller, like, which is quite rare to get to that spot on the list. So it's brilliant to work with him. And we have a great creative process in terms of like, like from afar, what it is, the script of a comic will get written by, let's say Charles, it'll get sent off to editorial. So let's just imagine it's Charles working on The Rise of Kylo Ren, which will be one of the big comic books that I worked on. So that will go off to the team inside Marvel. They'll approve the story. It'll go off to the team at Lucasfilm, who are, there's this huge story group there that makes sure that everything works in canon, that the characters are doing the right thing, that if we're working with something, so a good example being The Rise of Kylo Ren, that was tied in very much with The Rise of Skywalker movie, which was just about to come out. And we were hand, We were working on a story about Ben Solo or Kylo Ren, which is one of the huge main characters of that. So like it all had to make sure that the story fitted with them. When that thing gets approved, the script goes to me, but I had very much would have a back and forth with Charles the whole time on the story and what's the best way to tell the story. And essentially, as soon as I get that script, I become the storyteller. I need to tell it in the best possible way, which I guess we'll touch on a little bit more later. And then Charles will always be on the end of the phone for me. And as I'm making decisions with panel layouts and pages and things like that, we'll have a back and forth and what's the best way to tell the story. Then if we talk about something like Storytellers, where I would have written it as well, and then that would have gone to other writers who I worked with as well. Nick Roach is another big comic book writer that helped me out in Storytellers, which is great. That's really full-on dream character creation mode. Like I said, it was... While we were teaching, making a show that was to teach kids how to draw, it was just as much important to tell a story that gave kids the understanding that telling stories themselves were important. We really wanted to empower kids to be able to create their own characters, create their own worlds, create their own villains and everything like that. And the whole point of that story is, is as much 
telling story uh, is drawing characters but also telling stories so everything that we wrote and created for that came with the mind of how can we teach a really cool style of art to draw and introduce a really interesting different type of story with each character that hopefully would inspire people to draw so it's quite a, a unique writing process for that one definitely I saw a good few episodes of your storytellers on RTE myself. In it, though, I noticed that you teach uh, through modelling your process quite a lot. There's a lot of stopping and you showing what you're doing. Would you think it's important that your audience see you draw? And is it important that you share that experience with them as you do it? Yeah, and that kind of comes back to what I was talking about earlier, the way that I didn't know that these jobs existed uh, when I was younger. And I think the most important thing for me, I always say this, if I put on conventions or signing events or anything like that in Ireland, it, it's all about raising the the profile of the, the job so that kids here can realize that you can do this kind of job from Ireland. Like Ireland is such a creative country for art and, and animation and storytelling. It's incredible what we're doing now and all of the places you can do these kind of jobs and the fact that you can do them forever. So opening up the process is a really important thing for me, explaining the bits and pieces that go on behind it rather than somebody having to step out into that world in the dark, which is essentially what I had to do. And I had to go off and find the stuff bit by bit, knocking down doors and understanding every part of the process so breaking it down and making it as simple as possible and explaining what goes on day to day explaining how you how i would approach every kind of a drawing how you'd approach every kind of a story i think is really important and it just shows people that it's just this really normal job that anyone can do with practice and dedication when you were learning to draw yourself or teaching yourself to draw did you copy from other artists did you take a look at what other people did and look at their techniques and would you think that's the, the best way for somebody to learn or hone their craft Oh, it's definitely a massive part of it. They say, like, it's essentially like when I look at a comic book and I'm looking at the artwork, I'll be looking for techniques and I'll be like, wow, that's really interesting. How did the artist do it? Break it down, understand it, and then add it into my work. One of the most common questions that I would get about art and young artists, they would ask, how do they find their style? Because often when you start, you start like really, really learning from one or two artists and drawing the way that they draw or drawing the way that your favorite cartoon characters are, are drawn. As you understand the industry more, you widen your net of, of artists that you like and you learn from more and more and you start pulling in different techniques and you combine them together in unique ways. And then your own kind of techniques come from there. Every artist stands on the shoulders of the artists that came before them there's there's no better way to like you can't just learn the stuff by yourself you can't just get this inspiration and, and magically have it i think there's no better example of that in turn in in the skill of drawing in perspective where all of the artwork from before the renaissance nobody could draw in perspective and then after renaissance the renaissance everyone could because they figured it out they learned the techniques how to do it they applied it to their art and every artist that came after it was like wow, that's really interesting. And I could draw in perspective when I was nine years of age as a, a, an artist that drew all of their lives before people had understood those techniques, just couldn't add that to their artwork. So I'm stealing that technique from other artists and incorporating it into my art. And it's very much part of it all. And it's when you've studied enough and when you've widened your net wide enough and you find your own voice, that's when people will start paying attention for you, for your own art. And all of a sudden you might be someone that influences someone else. So when you, if you were teaching someone to draw now, say if you were in the middle of a, of a classroom, for example, or if you were there with somebody beside you in your studio, would you start from a finished piece of work from an exemplar or how would you build it up? I, I always have a couple of different things in my mind. So it's uh, definitely explain how things start off a lot more simple 
uh, than they look. Like I'm not going in there and I'm not drawing a really detailed rendered piece straight away to start. I'm breaking it down into really simple shapes. A lot of artists will have this and, and writers will have this fear of this blank page. How would you put your pen down to the paper? Where do you start when you're doing something like that? I always start with something nice and simple like a stick figure and I'll build it up using simple shapes. And these are the kind of things, the kind of ways that I will approach a drawing so that you can get something down on the page. You can start to build up your confidence. And also when you start simple, you're not defaulting back to the things that you already know. So for a perfect example, as that people will often draw like the face perfectly from the front or perfectly from the side because they draw what they're used to. Whereas if you take it back a step and you draw like the simple shapes before that, you'll have more confidence to draw from different angles and things like that as well. The second thing then I think, especially when you're younger is to, is to make sure what pe people are enjoying what they want to draw. Cause as much of the fun about drawing is that is the, the thrill and the inspiration of drawing the things that you enjoy to draw. So I, I always try to make sure that's a part of it as well. And to what extent would you say revision or editing is part of your day-to-day -day work or your day-to-day -day task? Definitely a big part of it. Like even if you take something like Star Wars <laughs> often, and the, the revision and the editing will go through a big team process and I'll have drawn a full page and all of a sudden I'll get a note from Lucasfilm saying, oh, Jewbacks aren't supposed to be on this planet. They're only on Tatooine. So I have to erase the Jewback and, and fix things that way and that can be a metaphor for everything like I'm, I'm currently uh working on a script for a tv show right now and and i i write with the the knowledge of knowing that there's going to be lots more edits of this and i i i, I even the first draft that i'm doing i'm not caring about like that it's all nicely formatted and, and even spelling or anything like that i don't care about it i'm going fully on the inspiration to like, while i'm having the fun to get it out there after developing the structure for it and then that's why those edits go become more and more important each time. So I'm literally going through like the second edit of scripts right now, tightening it up, fixing the problems. I'll even put in notes in the script that like, this is a problem. This isn't working. Change that, link that a bit better. And, and often you'll come up with ideas further along the script, which will influence things when you go back and you, and uh, it's, a, it's a big process. And I, working so closely with Charles, who, who has written a lot of novels, I can only imagine how much bigger that process is when you're writing these full novels that take a long time to write. So it takes a, a lot longer than to edit it, but it is really the most important part of it all. Yeah, I think that's great advice too, that's uh, have fun with it first in the first draft, get it out, get the idea, get the creative process, get the story told, and then you have to go back and do the nuts and bolts <laughs> and the bits and pieces. It's almost like building a house, like it's really exciting when you're drawing it, but there's a lot of hard work that has to be done by putting those bricks together then to make sure it's right. And you'll find problems along the way, you know? Yeah, I'm going to have a little sort of a, a gear change now. We're going to move and talk a little bit about graphic novels, if you don't mind. Graphic novels for us, I suppose we have a couple of them on the new junior cycle uh, prescribed text list. We have The Savage and uh, this one summer and we're looking at them as an invitation for the reader to comprehend uh, the story in a different way to make connections with the image and the written text and, and maybe everything else on the page would you agree with this yeah it's a whole different type of storytelling like i always think that comics and graphic novels are the the perfect blend of visual and written story no, nothing reacts as fast as comics to, to tell stories about the current word in a kind of a visual way it's amazing but there's just different layers to it like a comic for me as an art if i'm just the, the artist of a book i need to make sure that those pages tell that story without any speech bubbles or anything like that as well so there's such a responsibility on me as the artist to make sure that all works and we almost have the role of a writer and uh, a director of a movie, a, a director of photography, we need to control the pacing. Like a good comic book artist, a good comic book storyteller 
can control the pacing of a reader by placing the panels in certain way, by drawing the eye around the page uh, to leading us to important points and, and visually affecting the emotions of a reader as much as the script would do. There's just, there's so much involved in translating that to a kind of a visual medium. As, as English teachers, we're big into key moments and emphasizing key plot points or character developments. When you're creating the graphics itself for your, for your comic or for any of your TV shows, how, how would you depict the key moments visually or important plot points to the reader? You can give moments of more importance, more time on the page. And again, that's a way to control the speed of the reader. If you think of a movie, when you see a character in a movie, you should know that's an important character by the way that they reveal the character. We do the same thing in comics. So every time Harrison Ford is revealed in an Indiana Jones movie, you know it's a special character before you see him because like they'll show his shoe first and they'll slowly pan up and they'll show his hand and they'll slowly reveal and all of a sudden you're like, who is this person? And they'll turn around and whoa, it's Indiana Jones. Like we can do the same thing with the way that we we control the pacing and movement of moments within comics with our visual storytelling. Like even a, a perfect simple example of that would be if I want something to feel cinematic, to feel like a movie, I'll lay out the pan in kind of landscape widescreen mode. So it feels like that kind of a moment. But if I want to really zone in on the emotion of a character, I'll go to a more kind of a vertical panel where like the, the face will fill up that panel and we have no choice but to go in and to focus on the character's expressions and things like that. So we really can speed up, slow down the eye of the reader with the balance of the panels, with the black and white balance of a page. We can use that to like make sure that they're focusing in on these big moments. So you're probably aware, uh, Will, that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, uh, that fantastic movie, uh, has recently been added to the new prescribed uh, text list for Junior Cycle English. Uh, I'm going to ask you a little bit about maybe identifying the features of an animation compared to a typical feature film. What would you think is the appeal of this genre? When you're talking about something like Spider-Verse, it, it kind of, it, it jumped so far ahead of other animations in what they did. They actually used a lot of those comic book techniques that in ways that were never done before and applied that to animation, which is amazing. But animation can be almost unfiltered imagination in the same way that a book can. You know, a book wouldn't necessarily have uh, a visual budget. So like you can go as wild as your dreams can do. And I think animation can be closer to that than sometimes regular movie making can be. If I went out now to make a movie, there's only certain things I can do. But if I start drawing and putting together an animation, I can go absolutely anywhere that I want to in, in the world. So it's unfiltered that way. There's so many different styles of animation, which is what's amazing. I've been very lucky. I've gotten to visit like the Ghibli Museum over in Japan. And that's a type of anime storytelling. That's just incredible animation that like has, will influence the, the Western animation. I think you're starting to see that now coming through, especially here with what's happening with Cartoon Saloon and the movies that they're making. You have these like amazing animated movies that are coming out here in Ireland that are like Oscar nominated because we can pick and choose these incredible influences from these animations all around the world. They're still all just a story. It all comes from that one nugget of a story. Why things are, are different when you do an animation probably just comes down to that. It feels like it, it really can be anything you want it to be. So they tend to get a bit more fantastical with them. And also I wonder if the people that work in animation are more influenced by that. It's just a really gorgeous way to, to tell a story at the end of the day. 
one of the things I always liked about about comic books and I love about uh, particularly Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse because you see all the conventions of a comic book there the gutters and all of the, the various ways is the amount of information they can pack into a single image when I was growing up with the comic books you'd meditate on a pane or a page and you'd look at the background details and I suppose maybe it's the bane of your life people checking details but I think it's great to see it on a junior cycle format because it's a great way of telling a story to particularly that age group yeah, like one of one of the amazing things if you want to delve into Spider-Verse and how they actually take it to the other level as well. Like they're using tropes of animation in ways that have never been done before to subconsciously affect you. They they took every technique that they had, not only within comics and within movies, but different kind of animation techniques in really unique ways. And I think the best example of that in that movie is the character Miles. Like typically when you think of your hand-drawn animation, like your Disney movies and all that kind of stuff. You think of something animated that they're drawing it it's called fps or frames per second and the characters would be drawn at 24 or 25 uh frames per second so like the animators will literally draw 25 drawings of a character if they're walking from left to right every second and then animating it on twos is what they call it is when they would half that amount of work where they were drawn 12 frames per second so i would spot it not a lot of people would i guess if they didn't know what it was but it, like it is half the drawings that are there and that's often using whether it's a time saver it's also a stylistic choice uh the character of moyle when at the start and hasn't become the superhero that he's about to come is animated at 12 frames per second to start a movie differently to every other character who has more frames per second, which is very unique. And as he gains confidence, they switch it over to 24 frames per second, which is just this incredible subconscious way of storytelling that this character becomes more fluid. And the first couple of times watching that movie, you don't realize he looks more fluid apart from like the gestures and the confidence that he exudes, but something subconscious as, as small as changing the frames per second of animation on a character for a purely storytelling way is why I think something like Spider-Verse will just jump to a whole nother level of animation storytelling. It's incredible. You're a, an artist who's been um, working with Spider-Man quite a lot and the amazing Spider-Man earlier on and Spider-Man 2099. Now, how do you feel uh, seeing Spider-Man evolve on the, the big movie stage uh, or in other characters? Do you feel a bit of ownership or do you feel a bit of kinship with the character still? Yeah, it's 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 amazing. I actually had a lovely little moment when I was watching the the Spider-Man uh, Far From Home. Is it Far From Home? I'm, I'm confusing. No Way Home. The latest blockbuster one, I guess, and when Tobey Maguire came back because when I would have been watching the Tobey Maguire movie, I would have been dreaming of one day getting to work on a Spider-Man comic. And when he came back, it reminded me of those t times watching the movie, dreaming of working on Spider-Man. I got that and I got to draw 60 Spider-Man issues, which is, was beyond my wildest dreams and get to have such a long time working on Spider-Man. What's amazing about comics is you never really know like these characters that we draw on pages and we get to create characters and I've gotten to create my own Spider-Man and things like that as well. You never, ever know where they end up when it's just quite cool to see them change and evolve into different formats. We're going to finish up on, on this last question, Will, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah. Just advice that you might give to teachers or students in the classroom who are looking or, or curious about exploring a graphic novel or the animations on the list, uh, but might be hesitant to do so. Okay. Yeah, like for, for a lot of people, it's a, it could, like a, reading a graphic novel for the first time is quite simply a new medium for them. It, it can be. And it's the one thing I will say is that they're more approachable than you think. People can read a comic book as if they were reading just a regular textbook. Is that the right way to say that's just a regular book? Normal book. <laughs> that's definitely the wrong way to say it. Anyway, don't read it word to word, just looking for the text that's on the page. Understand that 
the art is just as important and the art is telling a story like like when someone is working on a comic book let's just say the percentage of time 80 percent of the time that's involved in, in making the comic book is put into the art time so there's a lot of thought that's put in there and just try to look at how the artist is directing you around the page are they are they making you look at something without you realizing that you're making you look at something and take your time to appreciate the visual side of it as much uh, of the story so keep that in mind i guess when you're either reading those books uh, or watching those movies and how the visual side of it is influencing us. I guess that's obviously the, the world that I come from. It's the world that I care about the most. And it's one that we put an awful lot of care and effort into doing that because that's the only reason why we do this job. It's the thing that drives us along. That's great advice. Thanks very much. It's been really interesting and brilliant to have the opportunity to talk to you and to share your musings and your thoughts and your career progression. Thanks a million. Thank you for listening to this podcast, which was created by the Arts and Junior Circle team in collaboration with the JCT English team. To hear more from Junior Circle Talks, search for us on SoundCloud or anywhere you listen to your podcasts.